welcome to this week's edition of the NinersNation.com Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week we have a special flashback edition during the NFL Dead Zone. Of course, this is the NFL's slowest time of the year. Everyone is on summer vacation, and there's not a whole hell of a lot to talk about. We here on the Better Rivals Podcast will get back to our regularly scheduled program in the coming weeks. We wanted to take a week off to prepare for Ski Month, which is something we're going to put together over the next few weeks through the month of July, leading into training camp and then preseason. Month of July is usually the month we take to learn about new things and lean into new things, and so we needed some time to prepare. But that doesn't mean we leave you we leave you without some good interviews or some good information. So we're going to take just a quick trip back to our interview with Zach Robinson. Now, at the time that we did this interview back in 2018, Zach Robinson worked for Pro Football Focus. And he was really in charge of grading and developing the quarterback grading system that PFF uses to help develop it. He didn't create it himself. Uh, But he pretty much watched every single snap of every quarterback for a long time for Pro Football Focus. And just this year, Zach Robinson enters his first year as an assistant quarterbacks coach for the Los Angeles Rams. So it's interesting to hear his perspective on stuff, knowing that now he's an assistant quarterbacks coach for a division rival. But it's a really fun and sprawling conversation where we talk a little bit about Zach Robinson's background. We talk about the life of a quarterback and Kyle Shanahan's offense how Zach Robinson goes about grading and evaluating quarterbacks. We get to Jimmy Garoppolo, what separates the good quarterbacks from the greats, quarterback mechanics. It really is all over the place, but it's a really, really fun and interesting discussion, really getting inside the head of a quarterback who's played at a high level in college uh, and has also been in several systems in the NFL. Hopefully you enjoy the throwback episode of the Better Rivals podcast. We'll be back uh, either next week or the week after with Ski Month, where we start breaking down the wide nine. So without further ado, here's Zach Robinson, now the assistant quarterbacks coach for the Los Angeles Rams. Mr. Zach Robinson, it's good to have you on the Better Rivals podcast. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, fellas, appreciate you having me on. Uh, so, Zach, in, in, a, in a kind of quirk of small world history, which I guess is not small because of football, I actually watched you play live in Stillwater. Uh, in 2009, uh, I, being of the Longhorn variety, uh, went to a Longhorn <laughs> game and and saw you go again go up against Colt McCoy and was it the 2000? It was the 2009 game. Yeah, wasn't it the the, oh, the 08 game was. was the game where you came to 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 UT, but the 09 game was the year after that where it was in Stillwater. That and game was not nearly as good. Absolutely smoked us. Yeah, yep, I, I do remember that game. I wish, yeah, I wish you would have came to a better game, man. That was that was not the best. Well, from my perspective, it was a great game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true. But yeah, that you guys had you guys had Earl Thomas. I just remember all the guys on defense just looking across the ball like, oh boy, it might be a it might be a tough day here. And and you guys, oof, you got yeah, you got that was the year that national championship here, right? Against uh, Bama. Yeah. So yes, I think it yeah. was. Yeah, it was. Sure. Uh, and I, I'm, I've always been curious, actually, what what it's like to go up against a defense like that because that defense, that Texas defense, was no joke. And and that game, it, I think you yeah. ended up throwing three picks, two of which were returned for touchdowns. What's yes, it, what's it like? Hey, man, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here <laughs> yeah. for. Uh, I'm yeah. curious what it's like um, to look across the field at a defense like that. Yeah, it was good. You know, they. I mean, I th- the, all the DBs I remember being good. They had. Obviously, Earl Thomas was the man. I mean, you, you knew that he, uh, the way he could see things and dissect what we were doing. We ran one play early in the game to where he was mostly playing slot defender against us, and I think for a lot of that year even. But um, you know, we ran one play and and we converted a third down where we kind of 
gave him a different look and, and we threw it underneath him and, and he barely missed the play. And then uh, we tried to come back and run the exact same play. He showed the exact same thing that he did on the previous play, recognized it, turned around, intercepted the ball, ran it back to the house. And I was just like watching it on film the next day. I was like, man, like he, he just, you know, the, his instincts and, and the way he reacts and like diagnoses plays. Um, obviously we see him do it at the, in the NFL all the time, but uh, it, yeah, it was it was not easy looking across the ball and seeing seeing all those dudes over there. That's for sure. Crazy. Well, we'll talk a bit more about some of this stuff when we get to a lightning round at the end. But let's let's talk about your life in the NFL because you're you're drafted by the Patriots after that that season actually in, in 2010, and you're a seventh round pick. You kind of go from te- from a team to another, and you end up in Cincinnati, and you end up running a, an offense much like Kyle Shanahan's offense here in San Francisco. So being yeah. a 49ers podcast, we're obviously interested in what that life was like. And, and, you know, you've, from the different systems you've experienced, whether it was spread in college, the Pat system or the, uh, the West coast system with the Bengals, how difficult is it to really pick up that West coast system as compared to the other ones that you had to pick up in your life in the NFL and college? Yeah, no, it's definitely difficult. You know, I think when you think of West coast, uh, you think of a very wordy complex, uh, in terms of just calling the play that, you know, everybody's seen on TV, John Gruden calling out a play and it's, you know, 15 words before you get everything out. But um, it's a great system because you tell every single guy what to do within the context of the play. And it's all on the quarterback to, you know, to have all that stuff memorized and then spit it out uh, as confidently in the huddle and and get guys on the same page and, you know, believing that, hey, this is going to be the best play we've ever ran. So that was what I I learned the most is that um, the verbiage and getting it down was was definitely tough. But the beauty of it is, hey, the X receiver is going to know his job. All, all I'm telling him, basically, I'm telling the Y, I'm telling the Z uh, individually throughout the play. So uh, that, that's the beauty of the system. Once you can master that language, um, it, it really flows together. And, and honestly, it was, it was by far my I had the most experience in it, but it, was, it ended up being uh, my favorite system by far. What do you think is the most difficult aspect? Because you've got, you've got protections. You've got, the, of course, the routes by basically individual person. You've got formations. You've got motions. You've got tags. Is there any one part of learning the, the verbiage or system where you were like, man, that, that took me a while? Or did it all just kind of come in spurts at you and, and just end up coming together? Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of the spurts. I think, you know, in a lot of systems, they uh, they will tag, you know, a concept that will be on one side or, you know, I was in the number system as well. So, you know, a, a five routes to come back, a six, you know. So I think, you know, learning just the routes and how all that was flowing, um, the formations was fairly easy to pick up. That's just strictly a, a memorization thing. But um, it, it definitely takes just, you know, some extra studying of, of how to spit out the play where on other offenses, you know, you might just have five words and it's, it's all encompassing on on some of the route structures and everything. But, um, man, it, it, you know, if you can master it and get it down, it's, it's definitely has advantages. So I think a lot of fans like recognize, right, like you mentioned with Gruden spitting out these like 15 word play calls and, and they uh, kind of at least have a general understanding that that, that language element of the West Coast system is very difficult. But is there anything that you think that, that kind of, I guess, like the general public or, or like any general misconceptions about the system that people uh, kind of tend to get wrong? Yeah, I, I think the, you know, the term West Coast system was, and I think maybe it's, it's gotten a little bit better, but it's always been viewed as like quick passing game. And, you know, oh, this guy will fit in the West Coast system because he's, 
he's a quick passer and, and they get the ball out. And, and yes, there is elements of that, just like there is quick game elements in a lot of offenses, but um, you know, the design of the offense the, and the, the ones I've been in has been, uh, you know, the misdirection, the play action, you know, getting chunks down the field. We got the quick controlled passing game, but uh, really it's, it's a, you know, an offense that any QB can fit in, not just a, you know, kind of a quick timing and rhythm passer. So, uh, there's a lot of great stuff with it. And I think that maybe some of that's been stomped, you know, over the, over the last, I don't know, five years or so in terms of, uh, you know, a West coast quarterback being a guy that can just dink and dunk down the field. Do you think that has more to do with the, the language of the verbiage it's used? Or do you think there's something about the systems that's uniquely different? Because we're seeing like a big convergence of the types of plays that you'll see across the NFL the, the concepts are not really all that different. They're just dressed differently. And, and yeah. then you've got how those things work together, which is what Shanahan and McVay, I think, do really well. So do you think that a lot of that kind of West Coast is, is inherent in the verbiage? Or do you think there's something unique about the system that makes it West Coast? That, that's a good question. I think, um, you know, in terms of the flexibility that the quarterback has at the line of scrimmage, um, I, I can speak for the two West Coast. I was in Seattle as well with Jeremy Bates, and, and that was, you know, as West Coast as it gets. Um, and I, I did feel like you had total freedom at the line of scrimmage, um, you know, to, to get into the right play. And, and most of the time it was, hey, if we can throw the ball, let's throw the ball. Not, let's not just check away, a run away from numbers. If the look is good to throw, let's throw. And it, and it felt like it was – in terms of that, it was an aggressive style to where, uh, you know, the quarterback's making the last the last check at the line. And there might be some systems where we won't fix the protection all the time, but, um, you know, we want to throw hot. This was, hey, let's fix the protection. Let's get into our best play possible that we see against this look and, uh, and, and let's go attack. How difficult is it nowadays to really improve as a, as a backup quarterback in the NFL under the new CBA? I think you had the good fortune oh, of of playing kind of on both ends of, of the CBA, right? Where I think your first season was right before the, the lockout year. And then after that, you've got all these practice restrictions. One of the right. things that we talk about a lot on the show is like just the, the issue of, of repetitions. When you're looking at a player to draft and develop, you're looking at a finite number of reps in practice. And it's not easy to, to develop if you're not getting starters reps. So how is Man. it, how's it difficult <laughs> from a quarterback's perspective? Yeah, no doubt. You're, you nailed it. It's, um, you know, the term developmental QB is, I, you know, it's not even a, a term anymore because you don't get to develop these guys. So um, I def definitely got to see both sides. The most reps I ever got was, like you're saying, before the CBA 2010 when I was with the Patriots. We had a ton of extra practice time. We had two-a-days to where uh, they, they would give just me a, an entire period to run and, and the threes, you know, an entire period to, to practice our offense. And so – uh, that, that just doesn't happen anymore. And, and you're looking for a developmental third quarterback. You're looking at maybe getting you're fighting for routes on air reps, to be honest. And, and uh, you know, to get like a team rep in practice, maybe you get like a couple of week, you know, during the season, you'll probably get zero. But uh, in training camp, you'll get, you know, a, a couple here and there. But, um, yeah, it's too bad that that's the way it's kind of, you know, obviously the players gave up. Um, or, or wanted more freedom and, and more free time and everything. But um, for the, the, the bottom of the roster guys, man, and, and developmental QBs, it's definitely tough. 
Well, let's go ahead and actually get to one of those quarterbacks that's had to, uh, you know, had to spend some time with the Patriots trying to develop as a backup quarterback in that new CBA uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo, of course. So I think let's let's kind of start easy, start general. Um, what were your kind of overall impressions from him during those five starts last season? Man, I, I was really impressed. You know, um, I've always been a guy that's been a, I've, I've always been a fan of his game. He just um, he, he just has kind of the look and the, the instincts and the feel for the game, all that stuff. And I think his arm is, is definitely developed. And, and you've seen it, uh, you know, last year, especially he's got uh, just such a natural knack for playing the position and and uh, and, you know, extending the play, getting the ball out on time, playing within the rhythm of the offense and then. Uh, his play under pressure last year, I thought was pretty good. The, the Chicago the Bears game sticks out. I know there's a bunch of throws in that game where guys are barreling down on him, and he's he's hanging in there. He's hitting digs over the middle of the field, and and uh, you saw some of that stuff, and it was easy to get excited, you know, right away because he has uh, a ton of game, you know, the great feel for it, and and uh, quick releases. Everybody, you know, has has already seen, but uh, man, it, it was impressive to see just how quickly he could, you know ignite that offense and just be in there a short time now you do all the all the eval for pro football focus so you watch all the quarterbacks you grade their snaps what would you say was was garoppolo's most glaring deficiency in his game last year yeah i think you know the the 20 plus plays and and the downfield shots um that that needs to to come up a lot more you know there was a lot of sustaining drives and and uh you know he was racking up you know, eight yards, 10 yards, 12 yards. I think just t- alleviating some off the offense and, and getting some chunks down the field, um, you know, especially in this offense off of play action. I think that's that's the one spot where you're like, okay, he's done all this stuff really, really well. Uh, an uptick in, in kind of the downfield accuracy and downfield shots I think will be big. What did, what do you think was the reason that he kind of struggled on those throws? Was there? I mean, I, I know it's a, a pretty small sample to work with at this point. I think he's got what like sixteen uh, of those deep ball throws there from last season. I'm going to need you to make a declarative statement about his future forever <laughs> with certainty on sixteen throws right now. Sixteen throws, um, but I think he only completed like four of those, right? So I mean, obviously, uh, it wasn't the most encouraging first sixteen throws there. So. Uh, was there anything that stuck out just with him in, in whether that's like from a mechanic standpoint or some sort of like deficiency there um, that may have led to some of those struggles that, and that something he needs to kind of clean up going forward? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. I think there's, um, you know, he's got such a quick release and he's used to just snapping it off so quickly that maybe sometimes he doesn't always get through the throw and, and it's not saying you got to like baseball pitcher, get your right leg up and over, but uh, kind of bringing your hips all the way through and, and really finishing the throw on the deep balls, I think is, uh, is, is maybe something he's, he's seen and, and worked on. I'm, I'm not sure, but it, it, you know, from watching it on film aspect, you can definitely see like, Hey man, just get through that throw a little bit. And, uh, you know, some, some of those won't float as much and, and maybe have a little juice behind it. So when you think about his throw quality and you mentioned earlier about how you'd like to see him get a couple more chunk plays within the offense. Of course, the big topic this offseason was Jalen Ramsey talking about Jimmy Garoppolo saying that, you know, it wasn't really Garoppolo that that beat them up all that bad. It was the scheme. I'm yeah. curious where where you fall on that spectrum and, and whether or not you think you're able to separate a quarterback from scheme in the way that Jalen Ramsey is kind of saying you can. Yeah, I, I didn't agree with that at all. I mean, he diced him up with his accuracy and, and knowing where to go with the ball pre-snap, made a few plays, you know, extending the play. So I think that 
that maybe just a little bit of sour grapes from his part, but um, you know, sticking it with the quarterback tribe, I like it. Exactly, <laughs> quarterback yeah, stick yeah. together. You gotta stick up for your guys, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I, separating a quarterback from scheme, yes, it is tough because game to game, there's games where you know it's schemed up perfectly and you've got open throws at the you know you've got the defensive look that you're expecting and and you're getting that you're playing in rhythm i think the big thing that we're trying to track now is just you know quarterback's rhythm and and you know how how well they're staying in the flow of the game and what's causing them off rhythm whether it's pressure or coverage or a combination of both so um it's difficult to do i do think that um you know those games where it's tight coverage and, and we track you know tightness of coverage and accuracy and all that stuff and and that's going to be kind of ramped up even more this season and hopefully we'll be able to separate some of those where you're saying hey man this guy had 60 percent of his throws into tight coverage this game you know no wonder he had a a little bit tougher time or uh, didn't complete as many balls or or whatever it may be so um that's that's the million dollar question though man is just separating qbs and scheme and it's it's definitely not easy would you say it's a fair presumption that if, if a wide receiver is running wide open and in a wide open space, that, that that's, that, that scheme that's getting him open. Um, unless, I mean, there's obviously route separation and stuff like that, but if he's running free and there's not a defender in sight, is that the scheme yeah. at work? Is it a fair assumption? I would, I would say that that's a fair assumption. A quarterback's on typically his first hitch, maybe his first or second hitch. And there's a wide open receiver. I'm, you would think that that's some sort of scheme related and, uh, you know, coverage busts on the on the back end, or, or just a look they weren't ready for. So uh, I, I, you look a lot at their feet, and if they're you know staying within the rhythm of the offense in their first and second hitch, and they're throwing to open guys, then I think a lot of that's uh, definitely scheme related. Definitely. So, so I mean, one of the things that hit on there, right, is is this idea of throwing to open receivers, throwing to to receivers who are in tight coverage, and, and all that. I think. During this whole conversation, one of the things that is kind of tough for for your average fan to really pick up on is what's expected from these quarterbacks, right? Something uh, that that PFF talks about a bunch, and that's kind of like the basis for how they go about a lot of things is is what's really expected. But 49ers fans are sitting there and saying, like, look, yeah, he's thrown to these open receivers, but Brian Hoyer and C.J. Beathard couldn't throw to those same open receivers, so he's got to be doing something right, right? So. Uh, I think what is exactly the job description for an NFL quarterback when you're watching these guys on tape, you know, what is it that they should be doing? Even though we all know that it's very difficult, everything that they're trying to do and handle is incredibly difficult. Um, but yeah. what's kind of that baseline? What are you expecting them to be able to do? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And uh, we've found with, you know, in terms of it's, it's always hard because you're trying to figure out what their read is, what's, you know, how, how are they getting through progressions? You hear that out so much. So we, we kind of been able to look at a lot of that stuff. We found that quarterbacks sort of their first read 65% of the time. So I think when you're looking at that, it's like, okay, if he's throwing to his first look, uh, he's got to be accurate, you know, and, and um, you know, so we can separate the accuracy that way. Anything past that, you know, we, we talk about pro- quarterbacks processing ability and, and guys, are just naturally more gifted and being able to turn a read down and smoothly while staying in, in the rhythm of their drop and getting their second hitch, third hitch and staying on balance and, and being able to deliver uh, to those second and third options. And then uh, you know, the, the thing that I always look for is just the ability to extend the play, you know, whether it's in the pocket, like Tom Brady uh, outside the pocket, like uh, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, or, you know, combination of both with, 
uh, Roethlisberger and, and, you know, Garoppolo's got some of that where he can just extend and feel the pocket. Um, th- those are the main things, you know, the, the pocket instincts, the old Bill Walsh, I mean, 49ers, if you ask, if you look at anything that he's ever said uh, about evaluating quarterback play, the number one thing that you always see is, is pocket instincts. And he talks about it. And, and those guys that just have that innate feel for it, um, they, they could, you know, have less maybe arm talent or something, but if they, if they've got a natural field then they're most of the time going to be able to find guys, uh, within the, you know, within the contract or context of the offense and, uh, and, and, you know, throw the ball accurately. So I know that was a lot, that was kind of a lot there. No, no, no. It's all really good. Right. So, I mean, basically it is, it's being able to throw to your first read if they're open, but then if it's not, then to move through your progressions and, and do that smoothly and in rhythm, um, and then, you know, kind of evade the mayhem that is the pocket in the NFL to, yeah. to make a th- to make a successful throw. Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious whether or not like when if we go back to the idea of a wide receiver being open, this is a question that like it might sound I don't know, it might sound like overly reductive, but I'm legit curious about it. If there is a wide open dude, is the is the expectation with Von Miller breathing down your neck and not even breathing down your neck, but just in an NFL pocket that's super crazy with the mayhem and the disguise and everything that you do complete that if you're in a quarterback room with Tom Brady, is it like, I don't care if you're the seventh round pick, you're making that throw. Cause you're a quarterback. Right. Or is it like, well, we, we get it right. That there's, you're not always going to make those throws and, and it's not expected that you're always going to hit that. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the, the depth of that throw definitely takes into, into account if it's a, you know, 20 yard seam route and you've got a guy that's legitimately hitting you as you're throwing Yes, but uh, it's expected to where if you've got enough space, a little bit of space in the pocket to where your arm's not being affected at all, uh, you know, these guys, you got to be able to just basically turn and rotate in the spot where you're at right now. There's no following through on a lot of these. You're expected to just make, turn, be able to turn, rotate, and as long as your arm is not getting hit or maybe you're getting bumped on the side, you're expected to make those throws. So, um, you know, the pockets seem... You know, we, we talk about O-line play and, and how, how much it's changed over the years. And if it's if it's worse now, you know, those guys up front are coming and, and you just have the, the space in the pocket uh, is, is something that you always see where you're like, man, I don't know how this guy got this throw out. You know, Tom Brady's obviously a master at it. But, um, you know, I think that's definitely that's definitely a good question. I think that's kind of the best way to look at it. So you mentioned something interesting there, um, you know, about a quarterback's ability essentially to have to stand in that spot and just kind of rotate the upper body, right? Not really be able to get all the way through it and, and have those kind of like perfect ideal mechanics when you're getting the ball out. Um, I think that's another area that is, is kind of tough, right? For like an average person to be able to look at is, is what a quarterback's doing mechanically. I think a lot of people seem to have this idea that there is like this perfect set of mechanics out there and that every quarterback eventually needs to kind of look the same, right? Um, I know there was right. a, a, um, a video that uh, you did on the, the YouTube page for PFF where you talked about, though, how elite quarterbacks do share a number of similarities from a mechanic standpoint. So what are kind of those, like, foundational things that you do have to have that are kind of a little bit more non-negotiable from a mechanic standpoint? And then, you know, what are some things that can maybe be a, a little bit more individual flavor? Yeah, I went at the door, so that's. Uh, I know a lot of that. You know, you know, that, you know how it is. 
Yeah, no, I think there, there definitely is uh, a lot of similarities between what the best guys are doing mechanically. You know, you look at the upper body, all of them kind of stay on a level plane. Their shoulders are not uh, dipping up and down, but they're staying, you know, basically on the exact same plane. Like if you got a bucket of water on your head, uh, a lot of them can stay so steady with their head and their shoulders that uh, they're just rotating, rotating through. And then uh, another commonality is just uh, with their left arm. If their left arm is uh, and their left hand is finishing somewhere in front of their face, uh, that means that they're they're square to the throw. They're not spinning out. A lot of a lot of quarterbacks, you know, can spin out with their left arm and then uh, you know end up kind of away from their body. They're they're trying to stay as tight as they possibly can. And some of them work on it. Some of them it's just a, a natural thing that they do. Um, but but that upper body commonality between uh, you know, keeping your left shoulder and your left arm tight, finishing, uh, staying shoulders level. And then obviously you got to have that kind of just natural whip arm that, uh, that we see guys have, but, um, that, that's a huge part. And then, you know, the lower body, I think is something that a lot of guys just never, you know, never learned when you're growing up. And, and then you kind of like, you kind of get a feeling maybe later on in life, you know, you play a lot of golf or something and you kind of just like, Hey, if I, if I just snap my, you know, right hip all the way through and try to get my belly button to the target, uh, you know, my lower body's syncing up with my upper body. So I think uh, it all ties in together. But a lot of the upper body mechanics, um, you know, the majority of the guys you see it with Garoppolo, obviously he's he's watched Tom Brady for the longest time, but he he is very very tight with his left arm, keeping it in, and uh, just keeps everything compact and and kind of keeps you in that. Uh, you know, almost like a figure skater, you want to be tight if they're, they're spinning all the way around to, to spin as fast as they can. Uh, same thing mechanically, those guys want to stay as tight as they can. What do you think is the most difficult throw for a quarterback when it comes to their mechanics? In other words, what, what throw must you be mechanically sound in order to successfully hit repeatedly? Mm, that's a good question. I would say a lot of it is the uh, anything, anything to your backside. So for a right-hander, um, throwing any uh, any ball that needs velocity, I would say over 15 yards, uh, to your left side for right-handers, uh, outside, outside the numbers. So if there's, you know, you can, your footwork has to be, has to be ideal. You got to be lined up with your back foot to the throw and, and you can really get exposed, uh, you know, by leaving a ball, a lot of those throws to your left side, get left inside, you know, on a lot of plays. So, um, I would say that that's, that's one where if you're not all synced up and you're not throwing that thing good, um, you know, you can leave a ball inside. It can lead to a pick, but the, the, the left side outbreakers 15 yards plus, um, you know, really, really that 12 to 18, 20 yard range where you got to put a lot of zip on it. Those are, I think those are toughest ones. Cool. So I, I mean, even kind of tying that back to Garoppolo, right. And, and kind of the struggles that he had on the deep ball there. I guess the, on the flip side of that, is it, is it more of a depth issue when you talk about throws that you can kind of get away with mechanics that aren't really ideal, right? It, whether that's due to, you know, pressure and guys falling around you and you just, you don't have the, the space to be able to do that or, or whatever the reason may be. Is it more of a depth thing where like those shorter, those intermediate throws, you can get away with mechanics that aren't perfect, but the further downfield you get kind of the more those things need to be on point? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's, um, you know, the, the depth of it. And then also, uh, you know, is it is it on the hash? Is it in between the hashes, in between the numbers? Is it in that area to where uh, you can kind of just flick it out and, and not be 
completely perfect with your feet or nothing set. I think that's where a lot of guys, um, you know, can still have success where you're not having to fire something outside the numbers uh, without perfect mechanics. You know, the in between the numbers stuff, you can typically kind of get away with with something not being exactly perfect. All right. So let's talk a bit more about evaluating quarterback plays specifically. When you're looking at a quarterback's tape, how give us the cliff notes of what you're looking for when you're saying that was a good quarterback play or that was not a good quarterback play. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, going back to I know we talked about the rhythm of the offense and, and I think, um, you know, in terms of what they're seeing pre-snap, you know, we talked about how, how often you go to your first read. You know, the guy's got to be able to see what's going on pre-snap and, and what his eyes are doing. You know, you saw uh, Josh Allen, for example, last season, um, you know, his eyes would be all over the place really in, in his drop and it could be quick game. It could be. Um, an intermediate concept, but you could just tell his eyes were not in the right spot a lot of the time. So you kind of looked at that. Um, and then uh, are the, you know, are most importantly, are they throwing to the open guy and are they throwing it accurately? But um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the times when I'm first looking at a guy, I'm, I'm trying to look at like just his overall instincts because um, there's a lot of guys that can look good in a clean pocket and, and everything's all good going to their first read. A lot of these college guys, you know, especially are throwing a ton to their first read. So um, you, you kind of want to look past that, see how they're if they are forced to to feel the pocket on a certain play and, and maybe find a second and third option. And um, I, I love the plays that, that the guys find the check down. I know as, as boring as that sounds, it's like, man, that's a good that's a good NFL play right there. Uh, you see the best guys that are able to do it. So um, there's certainly certainly a lot that that you can look at in one play. But I think if I'm if I'm looking right off the bat, I'm like, okay, where, where's this guy's instincts? How are his eyes working? And uh, you know, is he finding the, the open guy consistently? So is, is there anything that you can any tip or trick that you can give the, the average NFL watcher to help them figure out how to how to figure out what's going on between the quarterback's ears? Because we know that the position is is a lot of times decided based on decision making and yeah. kind of quality of decision making. And it sometimes it's really difficult to pick up on when you're just watching whether it be TV tape or even if you do have game pass, you, sometimes you don't know what you're looking at. So sure. is there a way or a tip or just something where you're like, you know what, if you can focus on this thing, that will help you figure out kind of their decision making and work through it. Yeah, that, that's a that's a tough question. I think it's a good, very fair, fair question, because, you know, separating quarterback play and evaluating quarterback play for the longest time, obviously, it's been very tough. But I, I think if you can look at their if you can look at their feet and, um, you know, see if they're throwing kind of in rhythm if they're throwing on you know one hitch and if they're throwing on if they're throwing on the first or second hitch and they're throwing consistently to open guys then they're you know they're you could be getting some good play calls matched up with the defense but that means that you're seeing the game well and so I think looking at the quarterback's feet a lot and just um are you know do they get a little jittery after he sees something happen on on the right side of the field that he's not expecting uh, and then he gets back to the middle of the field and he's, you know, the feet are just kind of not as calm. So uh, I think that's definitely a, a good tell is, is uh, just the rhythm of the feet. Once he hits the top of the drop, does he take one hitch and then he's finding the open guy? Does he take a second hitch? And then anything after that is kind of uh, uh, not quite an extend the play, but, you know, you're expected to, to find a guy or, or make a play on that, you know, third and fourth hitch. So we, we've kind of touched on it uh, a couple times just a little bit here in terms of, you know, mentioned 
how often quarterbacks are really actually going to their first look and, and you know, relatively how less that they're actually moving on and, and finding that second or third guy kind of in the progression. I think there is a lot of misunderstanding, um, you know, about how quarterbacks progressions work, right. And, and how often they're actually moving to that second and third guy. I mean, this was a thing uh, that we dealt with in Ninerland with Colin Kaepernick for the longest time, right. Where it was basically, he was a one read guy and people would throw that out without, not really understanding kind of what that term was implying. Um, yeah. So I, I think what, what exactly, if you can, you know, strap the helmet on again and uh, walk us kind of through what a quarterback is looking for on the field from the time they communicate that play call to the time they release the ball, what, what are their, what are they focused on? What are they looking at from the defense? Like how are they, uh, I guess, determining where they're ultimately going to throw that ball? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think, you know, you start off with, First of all, you want to make sure your guys are, are lined up. So you call a play, um, you're kind of, you kind of get a preliminary look at the defense, and, and you're mostly just looking at the safeties. Okay, Are they in a two-high shell? Are they still in a single high? Okay, I got a preliminary look at the safeties, um, glancing, seeing kind of the corners, the front of the defense, while I'm seeing and making sure your guys are obviously set there. Uh, and then as you're getting ready to snap the ball, um, you know, depending on the play call, the, the best thing, the best offenses are – ones that aren't considered shell reads. And so shell reads, meaning uh, if it's too high, I'm going to this side of the field. If it's one high, I'm going to this side of the field. And that's kind of the term where you're saying, hey, he's a one read guy. A lot of the teams are, are know that he can't you know, progress through. Uh, and so they, they make more shell reads to where they're saying, okay, we're cutting the field down. And if it's, if it's single high, you're going to go here. If it's too high, you're going here. And make it as simple as possible that way. The best offenses and the best quarterbacks are the ones where you can have true across the board, uh, right to left reads. Um, and, and, the, and those, those reads are, if you got a guy that can do it and he can come up to the line of scrimmage and he can say, okay, I'm starting here and I can maybe eliminate one of these guys just based on pre-snap leverage, uh, then I'm an advantage. And then I can just click through my progression, you know, based on how tight the coverage is to the next guy. But I got, Basically, if I start on the right side of the field, I know I got everybody from the left side coming into my vision to where I can go, you know, right to middle to left to check down. And um, that, that's a lot of the West Coast offense in, in terms of what that is. But, um, you know, you find out the shell of the defense, what the defensive safeties are doing. And then after the snap, if it's a true shell read where you're reading one side, basically you end up reading one guy and then you're making your decision off of that guy. Uh, if it's a true across the board, um, you know, Jay Gruden used to say, you know, right to left on your radio dial, left to right on your radio dial. Those are, you know, those are the best plays if you've got a guy that can do it because uh, you really got every seat, every receiver is uh, is viable option on each play. With those full progressions, right? So say you have a situation where you are looking to go one to two to three, maybe across the entire field. Um, as a quarterback, I guess, at least in, in your experience, right, in this West Coast system, um, are you mostly focused on the receiver? So are you actually going from your guy, right, receiver number one yeah. to receiver number two? Or are you focused more so on, uh, like, maybe a specific key defender and, and their leverage? Or uh, w- what are you, like, looking at specifically to determine whether you're going to go to that first read or move on to two and three? Yeah, man, that, you guys got some great questions. Um, but this, uh, this is uh, you can ask a bunch of different guys. I think that uh, a lot, a lot of 
guys would say that they're looking at, you know, defenders strictly and just kind of feeling their guy. Um, the best way that I've like, I've heard it, you know, preached to me is, is just see your spots. So you're, you're seeing the spot, you know, that your eyes are going to that spot, but you're not necessarily just focused in on, on just the defender to where he backs up. And then you got to try to re you know, recalibrate and find where your receiver's at. So I think the, the best guys can just, you know, get their eyes in that spot and then just have a, a, a really good understanding of, uh, okay, I need to move on. And if I, if I move on, am I doing it smoothly? Um, is it, kind of the, the, the key thing. So, um, seeing your spots is, is a good way to put it. Um, there are certainly, certainly reads where you're just going to look at the defender and, you know, he, he backs up right away and you'll, you'll just naturally kind of have your guy that comes into your vision. But, um, you know, if you're kind of looking at it, just big picture, what to do, I would just say, you know, see your spots and, and kind of feel both guys at the same time. All right, I think in terms of questions, that's most of the stuff we've got. Uh, I want to move on to the fun stuff. Let's move on to the lightning round. That wasn't Sweet. the fun stuff? Uh, man, you know, I love, you know I love me some lightning rounds. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I love hearing about how Texas' defense is great and all, but let's get to, <laughs> let's get to the fun stuff. All right, so we're going to ask you just like maybe five or six or like 15 questions. Give me, give me the first thing that comes to mind. Like don't think gut instinct. You know, like if I say cat or dog, you say dog. Yeah, exactly, because you murder cats, right? <laughs> yes. Like, that's... Well. that's you know. <laughs> oh, God. All right. <laughs> All right, so uh, off the top, rank one to four the NFC West QBs. Go. Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, whoever is in Arizona. Who, what, who am I missing here? Jared Goff. Jared Goff. Jared Goff. I would say Goff, whoever's in Arizona. Uh, there's a reason you forgot Jared Goff. Uh, number two, uh, you're starting a franchise with a quarterback under 27. Who do you choose? Under 27, I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes. Oh, man, look Mahomes at that. Your guy, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, I, yeah, I just want to see the excitement, the Brett Favre factor. We might have some, uh, some ugly ones in there, but, man, I, I need some excitement. So I'm going Patrick Mahomes. Hot damn. All right, best non-Stillwater stadium that you've played in? Oof, I would say... Texas A&M, Kyle Field. Um, I do not. I would do not really like their fans, but I, <laughs> I think they're they can be a little obnoxious. But a little uh, the game the game day atmosphere there is it's a pretty cool place. Man, I'm married into a family of Aggies, so I feel your pain. <laughs> I feel your pain. I'm sorry about that. I know it happens. Nobody's perfect, right? Uh, best burger you've ever had. Best burger. I'm going to go with Shake Shack. I like Shake Shack. I'm going like big. I know it's not a, you know, family run place or anything, small town, <laughs> but I, I'm going to go Shake Shack. That, I used to live at that place in Dallas. So, All right. Give me your World Cup favorite. World Cup favorite. I, have, I haven't been watching. Did Belgium win today? Uh, spoiler no. alert in case anyone, well, David ruined it. Uh, no. No spoiler alert. If yeah. Not, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> uh, that, was my, that was my 538 quiz pick team that was the uh, only way that i could have a rooting interest yep he, he even learned right. belgian for yeah. like one text it was great uh, all right yeah. give me one word for tom brady's quarterback room one word um tom oh man it, it's That's... all about tom in there yeah give me is there any like yeah. interesting factoid about that quarterback room and how it's different <sighs> than any other one um Man, I, I was a rookie, and I just, like, was trying to – if 
find my way. I would say, I would just say like high level intelligence. Cause when I was a rookie in there and, and you know, he, you're not spending time on day one install stuff. You're looking at like, what are the jets going to be doing in week 12? Like what blitzes are we got to, we got to pre- prepare for. So it was Bill, O'Br- Bill O'Brien in there and, and Brady and then uh, Hoyer and myself were in there just kind of like nodding along, you know, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we're with you. But, but they're talking high level protection and, and uh, you know, just, just what, what plays they're going to run in like week 12 of that season. And we're talking, this was like in, you know, May, June OTA. So um, it's, yeah, it, it was, it was pretty interesting, man. The benefit of consistency, man. We're, yeah, we're we're oh, we're no. we're enjoying a little bit of that right now. We have a second year head coach, you know, so right. We, Been we a have... while since that. <laughs> yeah. um, so most difficult defense you've prepared for. Ooh, in the NFL. It, well, yeah. Or give me college col- or the NFL. Either one. College, I would say Texas that that year that you're that we've already talked about. Um, they, they did some good, like just kind of match coverages to where they weren't just uh spot drop into zones and they kind of would they would pattern match and and match up with you and then they'd play cover one and they just had better players so um i would say that and then gosh we we played the texans a couple years when you know jj watt was coming and they had um they've always had good schemes down there with you know whether they had wade phillips or uh, whoever they had those playoff years, um, the Texans were always just kind of one where you look and you're like, man, they're not giving up many easy throws. And, um, you know, they, they, when I was in Cincinnati, they had we had back-to-back playoffs years there, and, and uh, it was tough to get anything going against them. They were a good team. All right, and then you've talked a lot about how you've learned. You mentioned Bill O'Brien and Ken Zampezi, uh, people you've learned a lot from. What's the one thing that they taught you about quarterbacking that you still think about to this day? Man, uh, good question. I would say uh, a lot of it's just like just trust what you see and let it rip. You know, don't don't try to make this thing uh, overcomplicated. Ken Zampezi would always see say, hey, it's better to be decisive than right. And that's definitely something that kind of, um, you know, I coached some quarterbacks on the side and same same exact thing, man. Just trust what you're seeing and 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 let it rip because there's any any hesitation. It's, it's usually not going to be good. All right, well, hey, thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks a lot for sharing all your nuggets of wisdom uh, and, and for reliving the, the painful memory that was that Texas game. Really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was fun, fellas. I appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome, man. Thanks.